Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 14. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to tell you how resurrection life and resting in God's presence starts with what God has done, not what we have done. And I'm Kurt, and we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness, how hard it is, and how often we put people in our lives in kind of a prison. And just talk about how detrimental that is, and then how do we avoid that? Yeah, all that and more in this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 14. Kurt, thanks for being on. It's great. Always uh, always good to get to chop up the message and talk about practically what we're going to do with it and yeah. stuff like that. So this weekend, we're talking about uh, real resurrection. Uh, and you've kind of, you kind of build out our sermon series as you're mm-hmm. looking at the year and stuff like that and kind of break up the text and then you hand that kind of direction to whoever's teaching and stuff like that. So as we're talking about real resurrection from our passage, somebody might read the passage and be like, I'm not really seeing see resurrection. Yeah. What are we talking about? So where was like kind of the resurrection emphasis coming from in the yeah, text? In that, in that text, I just, I look at verse um, 14. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life. Mm. Because we love each other, anyone who does not love remains in death. Mm. And I think that's the idea of resurrection is that we truly have passed from death to life. Yeah. And that transition that God has provided for us from this old life, this sinful life, he says that's now dead and now we have this new life. And then how does it reflect itself? It reflects itself in living, mm. living for God, living in ways that are just reflective of this new reality. And yeah. so that's where I kind of saw it in the text there. Yeah, that there's this kind of resurrection lifestyle now that comes with it. And I kind of think it's interesting in John's trajectory, he's got, you know, we're coming off of, he talks about false teachers right, right. at the end right. of chapter two. And then as we get into chapter three, there's kind of some natural stuff that flows out of that, right? He's got mm-hmm. this concept of uh, love and hatred. Um, he's got this other concept of um, sin as well, right? So he almost, it seems like there's kind of this natural flow of um, there's going to be in false teaching kind of flowing out of that. There's going to be this kind of bent towards sinfulness, like I can do what I want now. And I'm kind of, I use my kind of this concept of freedom that false teaching brings yeah. a false understanding of what that freedom is. That now I can kind of do whatever I want, right? Mm-hmm. Sin is lawlessness. But then also, then I, I can do whatever I want in relationships too. I have no obligation to love people or maintain relationships and stuff like that, or live in this resurrection lifestyle. Right. Because well, resurrection is the opposite of brokenness. It's mm. healing. Yeah. And so when we talk about what resurrection is, it's that journey of to say, God, I'm now getting healed by you to relate to others, to relate to the God of the universe. And so we have all these things going on with false teachers and, and all the, 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 the issues that he's combating here. It's reflective of that old life is really broken. And yeah. it's so easy to fall back into the brokenness of what you and I used to be, yeah. rather than to live in that new life that says, no, I'm actually healing you. I'm bringing you back into restoration so that relationships with others and obviously relationship to God can be pure again and holy and exactly what he intended them to be. Yeah, yeah, which means that there's going to be standards of righteousness in our own life. Yeah. And it 
like not this continual pattern of sin like he's talking about. And it also means that there's going to be standards in the way that we operate with other people. And it is, it's interesting because yeah. it, it really is there in that verse, this concept of resurrection life for us. And I think it's almost confusing when we talk about real resurrection because our thoughts first go to Jesus, right? Because right. it's his resurrection. When we talk about right. resurrection, that's what we're we think thinking the big about. One. Yeah. But then there's actual impact in the resurrection of our lives, both um, to come, but even the present resurrection of, man, I was I was dead and now I'm alive, right? Like I was yeah. spiritually dead. I, I wasn't responsive, but now there's a responsiveness to me and I have an obligation with to that act as on well. That. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love it down in verse 16, you know, he talks about this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And there's that life again. Yeah. You know, we get the life of Jesus. He laid it down so that we could pick it up. Yeah. And there's the beauty of that, that this isn't our own life anymore. It's really the life of Christ lived through us. And I love the beauty of that, that, yeah. you know, I, I, I wish I was everything I want to be, but God is making us after the image of Christ, after the life that he modeled. And so we look at his life on earth, you're like, the example. look what he did. And, yeah. and you're saying, I could never, well, God's saying, I'm going to make you more and more like that. It will never be perfect. We'll never guide you, all those things. Yeah. But we can become more and more like Jesus Christ as that life that he laid down that we pick it up. Yeah. I was even thinking, you know, talking about that verse in verse 16, it's really interesting John bringing that up coming right off of Cain and Abel because mm -hmm. it's almost like this murdering uh, example in Cain and Abel and even the example then broader in murdering relationship and stuff yeah. like that like Pastor Tom was talking about that's really to choose myself and kill someone else right yeah, like to right. kill someone else is to choose myself and my own frustrations and my own hurts over them but man Jesus is the example of the exact opposite to choose people who don't deserve him to die for them right, right. and to give himself up instead well and I love it the next line there in verse 16 and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters yeah you know, he's saying, Jesus, he lays down his life so we can have life. And then he's saying, you know what I need you to do is do exactly what I did and lay down your life for everyone else in your life around you. Yeah. Because they need to see the sacrifice that comes from you giving up your rights, your privileges, all the things that you have earned or whatever it might be. And to say, no, I'm going to live for Jesus and I'm going to give my life away just like he gave his life away to me. Yeah. It's that, it's that paradox of Christian freedom, right? Yeah, that right. we are given this freedom in Christ but we're given this freedom to then submit ourselves to him, right? Yeah. Like it's this really kind of weird contradiction almost it feels like where it's like, yeah, there's freedom, but freedom doesn't mean you just get to go do whatever you want. It means you get to now be submitted to somebody who actually loves you and cares about exactly. you and is a good master, right? Not the way that sin was, but is this loving father. Um, well, and you can see how it's so confusing to the world because we're so much taught let's do, let's earn, let's make ourselves right before God. Yeah. And if we don't, if we don't really have the life of Jesus, we'll try to earn it. And we all have friends and family that, you know, forever try to earn this life. I can be good enough. I can make this life on my own. Yeah. And he's saying, no, you can't. And that's what's so hard when people look at this saying, no, your, your life really is to give it away, but I'm earning it. I'm doing it. I've earned this. Yeah. And just like, no, no, you're going to, receive this life and then you're going to give it away and I'm going to help you love doing that. Yeah. Which yeah, is, which is almost evidence that you've received it, right? Because right. we very rarely give away things that we earn. Yeah. But there's something about a gift that, you know, it's a lot easier to give yeah. away a gift than it is something that's like, oh, I earned this thing. Yeah. Well, we love because he first loved us, the scripture says, and I love that. We can love others because he first loved us and modeled that. And yeah. so it's easier to give away a gift if he never loved us. 
I mean, I can't imagine we have no loving example, others. No. Right? Nothing to How build How could off you of. really love others if you don't have that example and even the capability through the resurrection, yeah. which I think is such a big deal? Yeah, because you think apart from Jesus, everything on this earth is tainted by the brokenness of our world, right? Mm -hmm. So all the other forms of love that we see, though that some of them are great and they make us emotional right. and we think, wow, that's a beautiful picture of love in our secular world or in this movie or whatever, they all have these kind of bents of selfishness or, you know, well, this really actually gains me something as well. And they're not this true selfless agape love that right. we see evidenced in Jesus's life. And he really does set the example for what resurrection life is. Yeah. And John moves really quickly from resurrection life to then this kind of passage that's a little bit yeah. confusing in Unique. verse 19. Uh, this is what he says. He says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. A weird passage weird. in a lot of fronts because you've got yeah. uh, on one hand, you know, you kind of have this, I'm thinking back to, even to our tablet series, this beautiful idea of Sabbath and rest mm -hmm. and stuff like that there at the beginning. Um, and then you've got this kind of idea that some of us, our hearts are condemning us, right? So maybe we're coming off of uh, sin or feeling like the relationship is broken, but God is greater than our hearts. So we're like, oh, there's this cool theme of forgiveness. But then on the other side, there's this confidence for this other group that he's talking about. And it's like, almost feels prosperity gospel-ish, yeah, right? Ask, ask God whatever you want, right? And it'll mm -hmm. just be given to you, any Xbox you want or whatever. Yeah. And so it gets a little confusing. So what's John getting at here? Yeah, I think that's, it's an amazing passage because you're like, it seems like he says one thing and then he says something else. Yeah, classic uh, John. Well, and I think it partly he's he's going to human nature. I think when I work with people, you talk to people, we usually have two kinds of people. The, the one kind of person is the one who says, I am so miserable, I am the worst person ever. Mm. And they beat themselves up and they just do not see God's grace at all. Yeah. And then you have the people who kind of explain and dismiss their own, well, you know, my heart's, you know, it's okay. And I think there's these extremes we go in and, and in the middle of the extremes, whether we're the person who barely can get out of bed because we see our sin, mm. or the person maybe is blinded to your own shortcomings and you see sin in others but not in yourself. Yeah. Whatever that extreme is, I think in the middle of that, he's. I think he's saying basically, go to God because he's omniscient mm. and he is not going to be swayed. He doesn't have a bad day where he thinks this or this. He is always uh, appropriate and, and perfect in his assessment of what's going on. Yeah. Because he can see behavior. We can see behavior. You kind of judge people by behavior. You know, you say, oh, okay, that person's this or that. But God sees behavior, but then he goes beyond that and he sees the heart and the mm. motives and the desires that are feeding that. And so when yeah. we don't even know if we can trust our own heart, you know, it, it our heart condemns us, right? Well, maybe it should or shouldn't. We turn to God. And I think as the omniscient God who knows everything, not just what's seen, but what is unseen, mm. he can kind of dig in there and confirm to our own soul saying, no, this is really an issue you need to deal with, or no, you need to accept my forgiveness. Mm because this is something that is behind you now. Yeah, yeah. That concept of, of rest even at the front really sets the tone for me that way because when I'm thinking about biblical rest, one of the first flags that goes up for me is that can't be something that's earned. That's right. kind of the whole point about biblical rest. And those two extremes that you're talking about, which are like such great observations, especially because that tends to be 
us at different seasons of our life, we tend to lean or different one issues. Way. Yeah, right. Oh, we're really hard on ourselves on this issue, but we're totally blind and ignorant of these issues. Yeah, yeah. Or we're just, you know, the last two months have been great, and we're on that mountaintop, yeah, right, and we're right. like, man, I'm doing well. And then yep. we hit the valley, and we're saying, man, I'm a mess. And so we can see that so much in our own lives. But both of those extremes are all based on what I've earned. Right on one yeah. side, it's man, I've I've earned this broken relationship with God. I'm so sinful. I'm so messed up. That's what I've earned. That's mm -hmm. what I deserve. And then on the other side, it's man, I'm killing it. Like I've earned. Like I don't know what these other chumps are who are struggling, yeah. <laughs> but I've earned more than them. Right. right? right. So give me more because right. that's what I've earned. And they're so based on what I've earned and what I deserve. Yeah. Where biblical rest is all about, man, what has God done? And right. so the way that I get to rest in God is is coming back to. Man, it's not about what I do. Yeah. Uh, Mike and I, even last week on Tangible Takeaways, we were talking about kind of rebuilding this identity structure mm -hmm. uh, because we're so easily in the world start with what we do, determining right. who we are. But it's actually who we are that what we do flows out of in the gospel, right? That mm -hmm. because of what God has done, that establishes this new identity in us and our actions flow out of that identity. We don't do what we right. do to earn our identity. We do it because it's already true. Yeah. And to trust God's assessment of that process. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, I think we all can be fooled from time to time. Yeah. And I to trust God to say, no, God, you know this. It makes me think of when Peter, after the resurrection, he shows up and he's walking with Jesus on the beach by Galilee and they're walking and talking. And Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter goes, yeah, you know that. And but do you love me? And he has some interesting word change there. Yeah. But at the end of it, you know, Peter's response is, Lord, you know all things. Mm. You know that I love you. And Peter, in his own heart, I think, is a little bit of this experience where he's beating God, himself I, up I, a little bit. I did. I denied you. I denied I even knew you. And yet, God, I trust that you know my heart. And you know all things. You mm. know that I love you. And I think he was probably condemning himself. But simultaneously, in that same moment, trusting in God to redeem him, to say, no, you know these things, and I'm leaning into your assessment of me, but you kind of know it's in my heart, right, Jesus? Yeah, yeah. And there's there's almost a side where it's like that beat up portion of our lives. You almost see Jesus, he, he tends to um, be revealed a little bit more clearly to people that are in that position throughout the Gospels, mm -hmm. right? That there's this kind of rawness about that position. Man, I'm so overwhelmed by the weight of my sin, and I don't know how to move forward. And then Jesus shows up, and it's like, oh, man, it's all becoming really clear. Yeah. Whereas it seems like on this other side, this, man, I'm killing it. I've got yeah. it all together. Pharisee kind of mindset. That's a lot harder to, to see Jesus for who he is and to see ourselves for who we are. Yeah. And so I think, man... We probably, if we look at our lives and say, man, I never feel beat up, I never feel defeated, yeah. we should probably look at that and say like, okay, maybe I'm not seeing yeah, myself exactly. super accurately here. Well, it's like Zacchaeus. I love the story of Zacchaeus. He's in the tree, He's walk, Jesus is walking by, and he sees him, and Zacchaeus is pretty satisfied with himself. He's He's got a good gig, a good life. Yeah. He is blind to some of the things. Jesus says, I'm going to go to your house. He goes to his house. Jesus began to explain more about what's going on. He says, I got to make it right. Yeah. I, I've got to fix this guy. You just showed me. I'm now seeing what I'm really like. And he owned it. Yeah. And that's that journey. Like you're saying sometimes we're so blind, but when God shows us who we really are, yeah. what a blast it is to know, okay, now I see clearly, what do we do with that? You know, yeah. how do I make things right? How do I reflect this new reality that you want for me to live this resurrection life? Yeah. There's this confidence about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So as we talk about resurrection life and even this really big theme of, 
forgiveness, reestablishing relationships mm-hmm. that are broken and stuff like that. Pastor Tom was talking about uh, this. Uh, he had, you know, three eyes, the intermittent forgiver, right. the intentional forgiver, and the instinctive forgiver that kind of tracked along those um, child to young adult to mm-hmm. spiritual parent kind of paradigm that we saw earlier in right. uh, the epistle of this kind of growth in our journey of faith. So as we talk about that and we think about, man, how do I become maybe, you know, we just go from the baseline. Maybe I am an intermittent forgiver. I see reconciliation occasionally in my relationships. It's really hard. It's like a battle every single time. I want to become more intentional about forgiving, and I ultimately want to become instinctive. And maybe it's not even just forgiving, but it's obedience at a greater scale. And the concept of coming up with some tangible takeaways, man, what are some practical things that we can do to get a little bit better at those moving from... It's such, such a hard issue. Yeah. I mean, I was I was thinking through C.S. Lewis's, and he says, you know, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Mm. We all like the idea because we and love we'd all to, like to be oh, forgiven. Yeah, please, I got to get forgiven here. Yeah. You forgive me, but when we have something to forgive, I think C.S. Lewis is right. It, it's lovely until it's personal. It's so true because when we're on the other side of it, it always seems like the rational decision to forgive right. us, right? right? When your yep. spouse is mad at you or something like that, yep. you're like, oh, it kind of makes just sense to forgive me. You know, I, mm-hmm. I didn't have like my heart wasn't in a bad spot or whatever it is. Right. We have all this rationale, but it's when when we have to forgive, well, because it's the personal. If someone's wronged you or I. Um, it's just something that we want to, you almost want to make it even. Mm. It goes back to that earning our faith and earning, we want this equality. Yeah. And, you know, forgiveness at its core is me relinquishing my right to hurt you because you hurt me. Mm. It's giving that up and saying, I'm not going to get even, I'm not going to hurt you. Even though you hurt me, I'm not going to do that. And that's the essence of forgiveness. And I think getting to that point where you have to see yourself as a sinner mm is I think the core first answer is to say, I am broken and I was forgiven by God. Yeah. And if I lose track of how much I've been forgiven of, then it's really hard to forgive others. Yeah, kind of that we've loved because we've been right. loved, right? Yeah, that's we great. We forgive because we've been forgiven. Yeah, that I think that's core because if, if we lose how much we've been forgiven, I don't see us being forgiving people. Mm. But part of the problem is I think we, for especially if you've known Christ for a long time, I think we have an overinflated sense of our goodness mm. and an underdeveloped understanding of how far we were broken. Mm. And when we really can't see those things in, in, in proper perspective, I do think we have a, we're off on the wrong step. We won't be able to get to that point of forgiving someone else's debt against us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was thinking about how hard this particular issue is of forgiveness because it's so uh, like you said, it's so personal, it's so mm-hmm. emotional. And I think when we're talking about our emotions, it's really hard to let scripture inform our response and not our emotions. Right. Because when we have an emotion pop up, it's so it's so instinctive, right? It's just kind of built into what an emotion is. Like you know what you wanna do about that emotion, you yep. know what that's leading you towards. And so like it's very kind of almost primal, like it's just this natural thing that comes with the emotion. And it's so hard, it's a very like cool-headed spot to say, oh, well, what would scripture have me do, right? That's not normally our first thought. Our first thought is, what do I want to do about this, right? Right. Like, I I feel hurt. I feel wronged. What am I going to do about it? And so I think it's so hard to kind of rebuild that reflex because if that initial reflex is, man, what do I want to do about it? Then I can pretty much guarantee you it's going to be sinful coming from me. 
but man, I want to rebuild that reflex in, in the image of Christ, in the image of this resurrection life and say, okay, how do I, how do I rebuild the reflex there? Yeah, well, because that goes back to God in his nature is to be forgiving. Mm -hmm. He loves to forgive. It's instinctual for God to be that way. Yeah. So we talk all the time with people, you know, oh, I really want to grow my faith. I want to become like God. And, and sometimes I want to tell them, I don't think you really do. Because mm -hmm. one of those core elements is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And you say you want to be like God, but you want to be like God in this area and this area, and maybe in my finances. I'm going to be with, maybe I'll, I'll study the Bible more, but I don't want to give him forgiveness. That yeah. hurts too much. Yeah. And yet that's at the core of who God is, is that he loves to forgive. He loves to restore. He loves to bring broken back and bring healing. And so I think part of forgiveness is recognizing if I really want to be like God, I have to see God for the fullness of who he is. Mm. And, you know, we we have this opportunity to model ourselves after him, but it really is going to be a choice. I don't think it comes naturally. Yeah. Yeah. It has to, it has to hit that intentional face to yep. say, okay, I'm going to intentionally start to implement this in my life. And for me, I think one of those things that it looks like is to say, Hey, when that emotion pops up, if that emotion is anger, if it's uh, really anger is a secondary emotion. So it's even yep. further trying to discern what is actually under the anger. Right. Generally for me, it's an insecurity feeling mm -hmm. like I'm, uh, less than I am or I'm being mocked or belittled or something like that. And so, man, when I feel that insecurity, I want to I want to flag it. I want to get better at like flagging, okay, hold on. I just I'm feeling something right now. Instead of most of the time we don't even check in with our emotions, so we just kind of get swept away yeah. by the emotions. And so it's really important to just identify first. That's when I'm talking about getting intentional. That's one of the first things I'm thinking about is, man, I want to identify the emotion. Yeah. And then as I begin to identify and flag that emotion when it pops up, well now I can see why is it popping up? What are the common trends, right? I'm almost beginning to track like what was going on in that day oh man like every time I hit a conversation that goes this way I start to feel that way and so now when I'm in those contexts that are bringing up that emotion I can kind of prepare myself a little bit better and say okay so I might feel I might feel small in this circumstance. Yeah. I might feel insecure in this circumstance. So I want to know that going into it. And now I can start to kind of prepare myself where I think eventually the response will become more instinctive. But yeah. right now it's this intentional decision to say, man, I got to identify the emotion and identify the circumstances that bring up that emotion. And I have to get that precise with it. Yeah. Because if I really want to rebuild the response, it's not going to happen accidentally. And it's not going to happen as much as I love God's word. It's not going to happen just because I read my Bible every morning. It's going to happen by me saying like, okay, let's get down and let's circle every time at this point in the day, yeah. this is something's going wrong here yeah. in this emotion popping up. Well, and doing the work to figure it out like you're describing, because I love that. I, I love the fact because emotions are really neutral. Mm. It's a neutrality issue. Yeah, but, they're God given. But, but when sin or the tempter or enemy gets involved, he takes an emotion and he takes it to a bad place. So even mm. like confidence, we talk about having confidence, but confidence is so closely linked to pride. Mm. So when you have pride at the core of what's going on and you say, I'm, I don't need to be forgiven, it's almost the exa exact opposite of what you're describing where there's yeah. this sense of, no, I, I, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be seen for what I really am. I'm going to hide. I'm going to protect myself. Mm. I'm going to act like it's not a problem. Like Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah. You know, they were called on this issue and yeah. they just said, no, we're going to hide. We're going to cover up. Because the pride was this relationship that went too far because their confidence had gotten broken. And so mm. they now had to compensate. Like you're talking about the other compensation. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that journey is when we come to forgiveness. So often it's it's this emotion that's taken in the wrong direction, either by our own sin, maybe by a, an inappropriate guilt. Mm. 
that needs to be given up, that maybe God's already paid for, but we're holding on to guilt. Yeah. Or the, the enemy, Satan himself, tempting us to think differently about that emotion, and it leads us to a bad place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so easy to get swept away and, and really kind of taken out of control by our emotions. And uh, I think that's what's so important is to realize, man, my emotions aren't bad, right? They're not evil that I have emotions but I wanna get better at being grounded in my emotions because I'm so easily tossed back and forth. And when it seems like whenever the Bible is describing somebody who believes in Jesus Christ, they're talking about somebody who's rooted, who's grounded, who's right. very stable. And so, man, I wanna become more stable, which doesn't mean I reject the fact that I have emotions, which I think we normally think right. that's how we become more stable. And then we just bottle it up and explode three months from <laughs> now. Road, it's yeah. horrible. Volcano. Yeah, so that's just coming. Yeah. Uh, but man, to say, no, I wanna be stable and grounded and then be able to observe my emotions. And I, I remember having a, a professor in college who was teaching a class on this part of pastoral counseling and, and dealing with our emotions and kind of checking in on ourselves before we even go into counseling situations. And he was saying like, man, if I can get to the point where when I feel angry, I can tell somebody, I feel angry right now. He's like, that's how I know I'm grounded. And I was like, yeah, that is a trip because I've never heard somebody calmly tell me that they're angry. Right. I have only seen people act out yeah. all kinds of crazy yeah. and start yelling and their voices raising and that's how I know that they're angry. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to be so stable to say, no, I know what I'm feeling. I feel frustrated by what you just said or whatever yeah. it is. But to say, no, that's just, I'm still stable. I still love you. I still, I, I'm able to perceive a broader context than just the emotion that I'm feeling. But I can also admit, I feel frustrated right now. I was like, that would be a trip to be at that point. Totally, and when, and when we're at that point where we, let's say we're wronged, and let's say you wronged me, it happens all the time. Yeah, So you, <laughs> you Let's say you've wronged me, at some point, I know I have the upper hand and I have you in a prison. Mm. I have you in this prison of your own now, you know you've hurt me, you're feeling the guilt and the pain and the wear and tear of that you emotion. Just guilt me all day I long. I can guilt you all day long, and now I've got you trapped. Mm. And I think that's the part where someone, if you've been wronged, it's easy to use that as a sinful way. Mm. To Be really vindictive, vindictive about it. Vindictive to yeah. say, I'm going to keep you there because I don't want you happy. I don't want you feeling forgiven because I want you to bear the weight that I want you to bear. Mm. And we're pouring more pain onto them because we want them to feel the pain again. It's it's that pain issue. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I think in those moments, I have to separate. I can forgive you, hypothetically here, I can Maybe. forgive you um, and cancel that debt so it gets you out of prison. Mm. But that's different than trusting you. Mm. And I think that's part of someone who's been really wrong, and I'm sure people are watching this that have really faced deep hurt and they've Repetitive. been repetitively just yeah. wounded over and over again. You're like, well, hold up, I'm just supposed to forgive them and, and never bring it up. And well, no, it's it's true. We forgive and we cancel the debt. We don't make them sit in a prison, but the trust factor has to be regained over time. Yeah. And that's what I think we sometimes miss in the Christian world is we want to be forgiving. And we just think we're supposed to be a doormat, you right. know, where people yeah. could do whatever they want to us. And, and we still will forgive. Yeah. You know, that's the point. But the trust part of that is where you say, you know, I don't I don't trust you like this. Yeah. Because I'm not going to hold that against you, but I don't have to lean into you on that. Because and it's not wise yourself. for me to put myself in that situation right. that you've proven unfaithful in over Correct. and over and over, and over again. again. Yeah. But we don't, again, have to condemn them. Yeah. We don't have to to keep them locked up, yeah. 
but we it's also, a healthy boundary. Yeah, it's a healthy boundary. There's kind of that balance there. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Well, there's some practical takeaways. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining the conversation. And uh, as always, if you have some tangible takeaways, please leave them there in the comments. And uh, don't forget to like the video and maybe send it to a friend as well. Uh, but that's all we got for tangible takeaways this week. We'll catch you guys next week. Oh, there we go. Third time. We got Third it. Time. Third time's the charm. Yeah.